Hey, what's up? Welcome to the Aaron J. Dodson podcast. I'm Aaron, and this podcast is devoted to discussing the sacred text of God's Word and subjects related to it so that we might keep God's law and that we might observe it with our whole hearts based on the principle of Psalm 119, verse 34. This is a continuation of the study of the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew was written by a Jew to Jews about a Jew, Jesus Christ. And Matthew's main intent is to demonstrate to God's covenant people, the Jews, that his son is Jesus of Nazareth. And as such, he is the king of heaven and earth. I have read quite a bit of scripture in these studies. Some of these I won't do uh, much reading, but uh, Matthew chapter 8 is where I am now, and the title of today's concern is Jesus Christ Provides Peace for the Storm. Matthew chapter 8 verses 1 through 4 record Jesus coming down from the mountain and great multitudes following him. That's from the mountain where he preached the great sermon that we just considered, Matthew chapter 5 through uh, seven, the Sermon on the Mount, as it's commonly called. When he comes down from the mountain, there's a leper that comes and worships him and says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus puts out his hand and touches him and says, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately he was cleansed. And Jesus charges him not to tell anyone, but instead to go show himself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Then Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 13 is the record of Jesus healing a centurion servant. And what's so incredible about this is that the centurion was a Roman, not a Jew, not a covenant person of the nation of Israel. And Jesus said that he had greater faith than anyone he had met in Israel. Matthew 8, verse 10, because he understood Jesus' authority. He understood that he could say a word and his servant, that Jesus could say a word, and that his servant, the centurion's servant, could be healed. And Jesus said that many would come from the east and the west and sit down, and they would sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But that the sons of the kingdom, that would be the Jewish nation, would be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. In this same chapter, uh, Matthew also records that Peter's mother-in-law was healed. His mother-in-law, his wife's mother, was laying sick with a fever, and Jesus merely touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose, and she served them. Matthew chapter 8, verses 16 and 17 is a little overview of the fact that in the evening they were bringing to Jesus those that were demon-possessed. And with a word, he was casting out the spirits, these evil spirits. He was healing all who were sick, and that fulfilled what Isaiah the prophet had said about Messiah, that he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Matthew 8. Verses 18 through 22 record the cost of discipleship. When Jesus saw great multitudes, he would charge them 
with important truths. He commanded to go to the other sign, and a certain disciple came and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. On this occasion, speaking to an individual, not directly to the crowd from what I can see, he says, Look, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And then another of his disciples that were following him, seemingly, said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. And I think that simply teaches priority. This man was obviously making an excuse. He could have already buried his dead, for all we know. What we know is that the master teacher was emphasizing that to serve him comes first. Jesus is not saying don't love your father and your mother. The law said that. But in this case, it seems the man was making an excuse to delay. In this particular episode of the podcast, I want to discuss how Jesus provides peace for the storm. Let's look at Matthew 8, verse 23 to 27, one of my favorite accounts in Scripture. Now when he, Jesus, got into a boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be, that even the winds and the sea obey him? So the Sea of Galilee was about 13 miles long, about 8 miles wide. Jesus often taught and healed in that area. He enjoyed a lot of success there. It seems that area was ripe for the gospel to grow, to be planted and to grow. The storm on Galilee demonstrates that Jesus is in control of nature, that he knows all things, and also that he allows and permits trials to come, but that he also provides peace during the storm and for the storm, I should say. Consider with me three main thoughts here. First, that Jesus Christ is in control of nature. He created all things and is equal with God himself. That's an incredible thought to think because those that met Jesus on earth saw him physically as a human being. Yet prior to his physical birth, he was in heaven with God and was God. John 1, 1 John wrote, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, 
He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And then verse 18, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. The only begotten Son is the Word that became flesh in verse 14. The Word that became flesh was the one that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see, he is in control of nature because he created all things and he's equal with God. And there are other passages that teach this most incredible doctrine, the the deity of Jesus Christ, that he did not become deity. He always was deity. Colossians 1.15, he, speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, you might say, well, he was created. Keep reading. For by him all things were created. Folks, if Jesus created all things, he was not created because that which is eternal doesn't create itself. That which is eternal has always existed, no beginning, no end. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. That means in him all things are held together. So in a human body, God walked among men. If God became a man, what would we expect? Well, for one, we would expect him to have authority over all creation because he created it. He's the creator. Now, a great windstorm arose in the account that we just read. And that word windstorm is used in Mark's account, chapter 4, verse 37. And the disciples awoke Jesus in fear of the fact that the boat was being covered with waves. I've never been in a boat where it was literally sinking. Now, I've seen a boat where a little bit of water was coming in extremely slowly, very slowly. I was not out in the vast ocean hundreds of miles from the land. I was in a small body of water and could easily get to the bank, to the shore. But a great windstorm arose. And the disciples, they wake Jesus up in fear because the waves are covering the boat. Jesus simply gets up. He rebukes the wind and the sea. And the result was a great calm. That is not surprising if God dwelt in a human body. Because if God dwelt in a human body, and he did, then he is in control of nature. And as a result, we should stand in complete awe and adoration of him. Jesus Christ is in control of nature. Number two, Jesus Christ knows everything about everything. And he allows or permits trials to occur. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to 27 He knew that the storm would occur. He knew the disciples would be afraid. He had the power to prevent it. He had the authority to stop it. Jesus himself, you remember, was in the stern, asleep, on a pillow, a cushion, resting with confidence in his Father's will. The disciples should have been doing the same thing. 
Unfortunately, they became afraid, and they actually accused Jesus of not caring. And you get that from Mark's account, Mark chapter 4, verse number 38. If I can get there, Mark 4, verse 38. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? You see, they had little faith. And that's Matthew 8, verse 26. When they said, we're perishing, Jesus said, why are you fearful? Oh, you of little faith. That's why they were fearful. They had little faith. And that little faith is contrasted with the great faith of the Gentile centurion that I mentioned at the beginning of this episode in Matthew 8, verses 5 through 13. Here they were as the covenant people of God. We could say they had the Bible. And they had little faith. They were right there with Jesus. Yet they had little faith. But the Gentile centurion, he had great faith. Now truly, trials and problems happen to all people. But Christian people, that's people who have given their life to Christ, who have died to self and to sin and baptism, have been raised from baptism and walk a new life, Romans 6, 3, and 4. Christian people must remain steadfast during problems so that patience can have its perfecting work, as Jesus' half-brother wrote, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. We can't forget that life here on earth is a time of preparation for the eternal state to come. We must remember that Jesus never said that earth would be our final destination where we would enjoy some kind of perfect utopia. Instead, Jesus said in the sermon we just finished, lay up for yourselves treasures, not on earth, but in heaven. Matthew six nineteen and 20. Truly, this life has sorrows, hardships, difficulties, but the blessings of God outweigh those hardships we need to come to faith and come to a point in our faith i should say that during storms we are careful not to accuse jesus of not caring but instead commit ourselves to him who judges righteously as jesus did first peter 2 23 because jesus knows everything about everything And he allows these trials so that our patience, our endurance, might be perfected. So that patience can have its perfecting work. Again, James 1, 2 through 4. So, Jesus Christ is in control of nature. And he knows everything about everything. And he allows these trials to occur. Number three. Jesus Christ provides peace before, during, and after the storm. If King Jesus is our shepherd, we will not lack anything that we need. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The idea is I shall not be in need. I shall not lack. Jesus will provide green pastures as the good shepherd. He will lead us by the still water. He will restore our soul. 
He will lead us in righteousness. He will comfort us with his rod and his staff. He gives us peace before, during, and after the storm. Jesus said that his sheep hear his voice and follow. And through his word, he provides a peace for every storm of life, no matter what it may be. God's word gives us the assurance that if we're right with him, he will give us an inner peace that will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Does that sound familiar? I read that in a book. Listen as I read aloud Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You see, all along, before the disciples got into the boat, he loved his disciples. When they got in the boat, he loved his disciples. During the storm, he loved his disciples. And after the storm, he loved his disciples. And the true the true God of heaven loves us. The same concept is the same regarding us as his covenant people today. Jesus Christ provides peace for the storm when we know he's in control of nature. He knows everything about everything. And he actually permits these trials to happen. And we're to let Patience have its perfecting work on our hearts and minds because truly, ultimately, Jesus will provide peace before, during, and after the storm. And I think the key to this is that we have faith, that we believe wholeheartedly in Him if and when we do, we will act in a way that will bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ and to our God and Father in heaven. Jesus Christ provides peace for the storm. Are we accessing that peace? Are we anxious? Are we keeping our eyes on someone or something else? Are we allowing a situation to weigh us down? Or are we instead focusing on God, Christ, and His things? Have we, have we made our requests known to God? Are we letting the peace of God guard our hearts and our minds? Are we keeping our mind on the things that are true, the things that are noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report? Are we keep keeping those things that are virtuous, those things that are praiseworthy, those things that are of good report, are we, are we meditating on those things? Because the truth is, He loves us before the storm, during the storm, and after the storm. The 
question is, will we access the blessings? Will we obey the commands? Will we enjoy the promises that he has made? I really appreciate you listening. I hope something has helped you or encouraged you to remember. Just remember that God is in control. He knows everything about everything. He permits trials to happen. And if we will remember that he provides us peace before, during, and after, we can let patience have its perfecting work. And in the end, we will be stronger than we've ever been. And we will bring more glory and honor and more souls to him. Thank you for listening to the Aaron J. Dodson podcast. I hope it's been helpful to you. If it was, please share this. And hope you've enjoyed this continued study of Matthew. We'll check out Matthew chapter 9 next time, Lord willing. God bless, and we will catch you next time.